Hello and welcome back to the Big Esports Podcast. This episode is yet another that was originally on LinkedIn Live and I think it's a pretty special one. My question to you is, what were you doing at 15, 16, 17 years old? And the kid, and you know, I say that in an endearing way that I have on today, signed $300,000 USD worth of influencer deals at the age of 17 in a company that his mum had to register for him because obviously he wasn't of legal age. This Canadian kid, Kieran, is, I guess, one of these wonder kids in business, you could say, but someone who's extremely switched on and is going places. So enjoy this episode. I did too. Thank you. Thanks so much for being a listener of this podcast. We've created it really to help increase information sharing and understanding of the esports market. If you'd like to help us out, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you do and make sure to share this with your friends. Hopefully we've been able to provide some fantastic information to you and a bit of a learning experience over this period of time, whether you're looking to skill up, enter the industry, or you're just looking to monitor to see how things are going. If you'd like to put yourself forward as a guest, suggest any others or ask any questions feel free to connect with us at bigesports.gg or on any of the social media platforms at bigesports underscore gg. So, Kieran, first question, mate. Tell us a bit about your history. You know, like we've, we've already given a, a bit of an introduction on, on LinkedIn and, and live, so let us know a bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, a bit about myself. Uh, I've been in the gaming, like involved in it and esports for about four years, like uh, solidly. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I've been watching videos since I was a young kid. Obviously, I'm still, I just turned 18. So I was four years ago, I was like 14, 13. Um, so I started my YouTube channel back in May of 2014, uh, posted my first ever video, um, came back about four months later, five months later. I was something in October or September. The video mm-hmm. had 400K views, uh, wow. had a decent amount of money in my AdSense. Shown my parents, they told me I've been scamming over the internet, you know, doing credit card scams or something like that. So, um, no faith. but I try to tell them that, you know, this is where I made the money. And I saw, well, my mm. first video got 400k views. I have some type of potential or I kind of know what I'm doing. And I was 14 at the time. So I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know anything. Um, mm. So from then, I uploaded two, uh, two months in a row. And I, from that two months, consec- like consistently, uh, I made, around 80 no it was 96,000 subscribers um and i posted maybe 40 videos 50 videos in those two months and uh amassed around 8 to 10 million views um mm-hmm. so i i liked it at that time um and then people at my school found out about it and then i was like kind of getting turned off by making videos i was doing my french exam actually and one of the kids um or guys in my uh school played the video on on the big uh flat screen on in class like the smart boards and I, oh, wow. I just lost it um and then fast forward a bit i kind of uh stayed out of esports and and stuff for for a little bit because um i don't know i was just not involved i was watching videos regularly watching tournaments and stuff um mm. and then this year in january um i i was contacted by a chinese streaming pla- uh, platform called nono live so mm-hmm. um, they had um, investors and partners from Alibaba and uh, the phone company Huawei. And mm-hmm. um, I was contacted by um, a guy to do um, kind of contract work for, for the Australian market, actually, um, to get them streamers. And they were offering something like $40,000 uh, per month USD. So, and it was a 12-month contract uh, per streamer. So um, I got some, I got three or four. Um, well, they asked me, do you have a business? And uh, I told them yes. So, but I didn't have, cause I had to do legal stuff. 
So at that yeah. time, I had to make my uh, mom could uh, like register a business for me and get all that stuff done um, within about a week. Decided on the name Elusive, got free branding from a guy, kept it like that ever since. Um, kind of, I don't know where I got the name from. Um, and then from there, I just, I've been just kind of doing uh, influencers, just kind of going with the flow, trying to learn things, meeting people like yourself, you know, mm. that are leaders in the, in the industry and uh, kind of just learning from you guys, other people, just trying to learn as much as possible. And then now I'm here um, talking to you again and uh, doing some great work with you. So, yeah, exactly. It's, it's funny. Like you're like, I didn't know that much about your YouTube history and yeah. thinking about that, your history from making videos into managing is very similar to how many people get into the esports industry. You know, I started off as a top level player here in yeah. Australia and so many people did, you know, Patrick Satterman, who's a chief gaming officer at Fnatic, who's also a friend of mine and spent a lot of time in Taiwan together. Same thing. He captained the Fnatic CS 1.6 team for like 18 years. And now he leads all of the teams. It's basically all the team managers report into him. And it's funny to see that that transition. Do you think you'll ever go back to making videos or are you just going to sit on the other side of the fence? Actually, I've been thinking about it recently. Um, a kid told mm. me he's 15 years old. Uh, he's making Fortnite videos. I'm not going to name him, but he, he made $60,000 this month mm. from, from uh, YouTube and an extra 15K on, on merchandise. And the guy's 15 years old and he was talking to me mm. about He's one of my clients and he was talking to me about him going into uh, properties after he files his taxes this year, because this year was the first year he's kind of blew up. And mm -hmm. so um, his mom was an agent in, in real estate and stuff. So seeing kids, young kids like that, uh, doing, making that much money and, and being successful like that kind of, kind of gave me some motivation to maybe go back in the future. But I, I, I really like what I'm doing now with, with the influencers and I like building relationships with people. So I think that's super important. Yeah, it's so like, um, I don't know if heartwarming is the right word, but I, I talked to Jeff Pabs from this, the chief revenue officer at FaZe Clan, and I can't remember if it was on the podcast or off the podcast, but I'm sure he's happy with me talking about this. And one of my questions was, you know, how do you set up your guys for the future? You know, obviously FaZe has had some 13-year-old content creators that are making bank, they're easily making, you know, similar yeah. to the numbers you were saying. And the concern always is, as you see, I guess, with millennial influencers is spending it all on hiring Bentleys, on yeah. renting apartments they can't really afford, on Gucci, Yeezys, flying first class, stunting on people with Rolexes. And, you know, they might be making 500 grand a year, but they're spending 350 of that and the rest goes to tax. Yeah. Or they're not paying tax, which is yeah. some situations. I've had some influencers I've worked with in the past who are like, you know, I need to make some money because I've got to pay 100 grand in tax, <laughs> which is not yeah. the right place to be. But yeah. like, like you were saying about that guy who, who we've talked about before going into property, the similar with what... Um, Similar to what Jeff was saying that he's talked to a lot of his younger talent about. They're putting a lot of their money into stocks and bonds. Yeah, you know, exactly. they're, they're portioning it out. And I guess it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's not something that's ever taught to you. You know, like when I worked at Corsair full time, I was employed at home and I had a whole formula that I knew. Whenever my wage got in, I put a certain amount of money away to a house slash car account, depending on, you know, which one it is. I put a certain amount of money away to an emergency savings account. I put extra into my superannuation, which in Australia, that's your retirement fund. And then I had a certain amount kind of in spending. But yeah. I think that, you know, people, I mean, you're in school now, right? You're not, you're not really taught to do things like that, money management. No, uh, I kind of learned it from, from my being like from my parents. Um, I don't, I haven't bought anything, you know, crazy like those Rolex. I don't see the value in it right now. Um, being able to, you know, 
spend that much money um mm. like even with sports like traditional sports you know you see nfl nba players they they play make millions of dollars in those five years that they play for they retire mm. and they have no money and they're they're living in a 10 million dollar house and they have no clue what they're doing even those guys at 30s because all they're taught is to play basketball or, or play a certain sport so yeah i think that that's super important what you what you just stated um, to learn how to manage your money at a, at a young age now because it's it's getting easier and easier for kids to make to make millions of dollars now so yeah 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 and I don't, and there's so many like you're saying there's so many stories that i think it was was uh big shack that i that i learned about where he signed his first you know pre-signing bonus of like 10 million or something like that and he went and bought a rolls royce drove it home his dad said where's mine they went back bought an identical one for his dad came back <laughs> home his mom said where's my car so they went back and bought her a bentley and then you know a month later he tried to pay for something and it's like insufficient funds it's like what because it's more like it's more money than you could ever dream of yeah Um, i guess it follows a similar thing i did a i did a a podcast a while ago with our insurer thunder insurance who specializes in gaming and esports it's pretty niche area for insurance and you know one of the questions i asked them was what does what does like a 50 million dollar public liability insurance actually mean because a lot of people won't earn $50 million in their lifetime. It seems like so much, but as with anything, you know, you buy a couple of, of cars at, at a million bucks, you buy a $10 million mansion, that kind of stuff. If you're making that kind of money, it, it goes real quick. Or there was, yeah. there was a box of, that was, a, they were talking about on Joe Rogan podcast as well. He bought a house that was so big that it cost 1 million a year just to upkeep. It was like a 30 bedroom house. He invited all of his family in. So, you know, the grounds and the tax yeah. on the house and upkeep and all that kind of stuff, power, water, probably has six pools if it's that big. <laughs> Imagine how big your water bill is. Like, yeah, yeah pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. You, wow. Yeah. So I guess that, that leads me into the next question. We talked about this a bit before, right? So a super different thing I see in Fortnite influencers who seem to be a lot of Gen Z, not so much millennial because you know, for those people watching, like you're more of in the Gen C market, I'm more of millennial, I was born in 91, um, that the the way they promote themselves online is so different. And it's a way that you've been able to see a lot of success as well. I think people who talk down about it would often call it engagement baiting type tweets, but also I think it's a great way to reach an audience and to grow. So to really make this question make sense, especially for the people who are watching, because you know what I'm talking about, is that quite often you'll see tweets from Fortnite people that just says, like, the real grinders are awake right now, or they're giving away, like, $10 V-Bucks cards, or they're tweeting out something fake, like a guy that we're using for a promo with a unicorn up coming through you just tweeted out, like, yo, I just bought a Ninja PC for $199, which he knows is a troll, but it's yeah. engagement rating to get people involved. And half the people replying know it's a troll and half don't. So can you can you touch on that a bit? Is that like a consensus that you guys talk about it? You just see other people do success and you did it too or what? Yeah. Um, where I got that from, um, like, you, like, like you said, I just saw these Fortnite guys just tweeting these weird, ridiculous kind of things sometimes. But I saw it was working. The engagement, the rate they had compared to a, a regular streamer or a Dota 2 streamer, like you said, or CSGO. Their, yeah. their engagements were were insane and you know with the twitter algorithm the more engagements you get the more they push this out to new, newer people so i kind of took that concept that they used for for their engagement tweets and i kind of applied it to what i'm trying to do with twitter which is obviously get creators and influencers and brands to work with me and kind mm. of mesh it together so it's on kind of the bridge of being cringy and like to the younger audience but it also like 
if you're a decent human being, you will, <laughs> you will kind of like engage with it and, and not turn me down for tweeting like a little kid, you know, but it works mm. for me. Um, and ever since the, those tweets, um, I've done, uh, you know, I, like you said, they've been getting really good engagements, um, over like 300,000 impressions. Um, and I have 30 K followers. So it's kind of going out there and it's helped mm. me tremendously with what I'm doing. And I think Twitter is, uh, very, should, is very underused for, for business, I find. And I think in the future, uh, mm. Gen Z's will be using Twitter as a platform as, you know, marketing and, and for their business. I think it's really important. Yeah, hundred percent. And like touching on one thing that you said, I've been thinking about a lot is the purists, I guess you were saying like, you know, some older people, they say, oh, you're an idiot for posting, you know, these funny things or looking like a child. But it's the same thing that, that I've seen. There was a CSGO player that kind of flipped his lid on Twitter because Bugger made more money in one tournament than he's made in like eight years of playing as a pro. I think like, like including his salary, salary and prize pool. This guy made more in one tournament in prize pool. Yeah. And, you know, saying, oh, Fortnite kids, I hate them. The same way that skate parks or the BMX riders hates scooter kids and things like that. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's like if you're yeah. such a good player and you're playing CSGO, you should be in it for the passion as much as the prize pool. And if you are in it for the prize pool, well, then go chase the new games. Go to Overwatch where you can get a 100 grand salary. Go to League of Legends where you can get a 300K salary to yeah, play in the exactly. LCS and starter. Go to Fortnite where there's so many kids in Fortnite, even in Australia, who are winning 30, 60, 80 grand over their period so far. And they're like 14, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And there's these stalwart, you know, Counter-Strike, Go players who've been playing since CS 1.6 that haven't won 80k over the past 10 years. But, you know, yeah. these guys like Slayer from the Chiefs and um, I think it was from the Chiefs and Parpy and, and people like that are, and Volks, you know, they're winning these kind of numbers and they've been a, a pro gamer for six months, probably yeah. a year. So, yeah. you know, and they've got three times the amount of Twitter followers. So, yeah, exactly. I've spoken yeah. to uh, Volks and Parpy there. I mean, they're great dudes. Uh, you know, they, they told me that they've just finished high school. He made over $100,000 in earnings already in under six months. Yeah, wow. It's ridiculous what these guys can do. You know, over the past two months, his, his Instagram and, and social has reached over 30,000, 40,000 now. And, and they're doing, they're doing great. So, I mean, yeah, you're right with, with what you're saying about either it's passion or it's money and you have to choose which, which option you're going to do. So, um, I've tried, I wanted to be a pro player all, all of my life kind of, uh, but I was never yeah. that guy to, to. I just never had, I just kept, accepted the fact that even if I tried my hardest, I wasn't going to be that. I just didn't have it in me. And I always mm. think that pro players have something in them that, that, that gives them that extra skill or that mindset of a pro pro gamer. And, and yeah, yeah man, I, I just never had that. So I just took what I liked, which is business, applied it with esports, what I really love. And I made a business out of it. So that's kind of what that's, I did. That's so stressful being a player. You know, like when I was a semi-pro and wanted to be the best in the world, all I could ever think about was playing the game. Like I'd be out at dinner with my friends and I'd be thinking, damn, I should be at home practicing right now. And, you know, you're, you're always nervous and you're always on edge about your performance. You know, yeah. there's always so much. And like I talked to a guy, like we never got along when we played. Our team were kind of arch enemies, but Sponge, who's an international CSGO analyst and commentator now, 
talked to him at the Intel Extreme Masters tournament last year and said, you know, do you miss being a player? Because he was with Renegades overseas playing full-time from Australia, etc. And he said, no, I don't miss it. It's so stressful. Like now he can just screw around. He can say funny stuff. He can tweet what he wants. He doesn't have sponsors that are on his back to, to deliver things for him. You know, he goes along to events. Or, you know, my chat with Toby One, uh, Dota on, on the podcast as well, is saying like when he's at a tournament, often he's only on for three hours and that's yeah. it. He gets the limelight and he gets out of there. He doesn't have to worry about getting kicked from the team or his salary being paid or anything like that. But yeah. I guess another like major advantage touching on what you were saying is that the social media followers for these guys, it seems like as a Fortnite pro, you've got such a more such a better outlook on life after gaming because the amount of followers you're going to have is so much higher than basically any other esport. Yeah, exactly. That's 100% right with what you said. Um mm. These Fortnite guys are, are racking up thousands of followers per day, especially they won, like, let's say, Part B winning, winning these recent tournaments he has. Just by winning those, he's getting as much followers a month than some of these CSGO guys or, uh, or other esports titles are getting in their entire eight, uh, career, like you're saying, in eight years. So I think mm. Fortnite brings that aspect of social reach as well as, um, you know, the money. So it kind of balances out with, you know, you have an opportunity to either pursue the the competition and making the money if you're still the best player, or you can take the other route, which is influence and doing content. And, and since you have that reach already, you just have to kind of branch out to other platforms such as Twitch, YouTube, you know, Facebook now coming to buy uh, these these talents as well exclusively. I mean, it's going to be a big year for, I think, for influencers and, and, and brands this year. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to look through... Um just trying to look through some of the comments here as well to address some people. Obviously, we will be repurposing this into a podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, I apologize <laughs> as, I, as I try to read through some of these. Noah Hankinson saying, what's up? Good to, good to see you here, mate. First time I think I've seen you in the chat, which is awesome. Shane is saying that Twitter's great for open communication and reach, whereas Facebook has tanked on organic reach. Man, that's so true. Like, I guess it makes me feel old, right? But when, when I got my first job in the industry working at Thermaltake, one of the MOs was to set up a Facebook page for it. So I took that page from zero to 12,000 likes or something like that with basically zero budget. Um, or sorry, tw- like zero to 21,000 likes, 22 over the, over the period of three and a half, four years when I was there. And looking at the engagement, I went back, I went back and looked and the amount of organic reach on 11,000 likes was more than the organic reach I was getting a few years later at 21,000 likes. And it's just made it like basically impossible. And what I find really weird and almost predatory about Facebook is all the time it sends you notifications like, hey, you could reach so many more people if you just gave me some money. And it's like, fuck you. What? I've, I've got these likes. Let me talk to these people. They've specifically chosen to like my page. Yeah. They obviously want to see what I'm saying. And it's just made it, you know, basically non-existent. Obviously, Facebook's trying to get into gaming and stuff now. So many of the talent I work with don't even have a Facebook page. Do you, do you find exactly the same thing? Uh, yes, but the issue uh, I have is the money's tempting, man. I've, I've seen offers from Facebook that are ridiculous. People with 100 viewers are getting offered 6K a month USD. They have 100 yeah. viewers. It's, it's insane. So seeing those type of offers is, is hard because those talents, some talents are not passionate about it and will do it. They won't deliver. They won't do things will will cause you know uh, bad reputation between us and and, and the brand. So um, it's it's hard to kind of reject a 300k offer for a year, right? 
But at the same time, you got to realize you haven't used Facebook since you were about eight years old. So, you know, it's, it kind of, it's, it's difficult, man. And and Mm. I try to tell the creators like, listen, there's 150 K for you on the table, but that means there's a ton of opportunities elsewhere for you. And I think that you should really think about it and, and consider, do you really, do you kind of have like somewhat of a liking for this brand, at least a minimum amount, or there's no point of doing it. And, and I think it's not, it's not healthy for both, for both either the influencer or brand, if they do go into that kind of uh, locked up contract, you know? So, but I yep. mean, the money, the money is, does look nice. I'm going to have to agree on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just like you were saying, there was a report that came out yesterday that Shroud, after he switched from Twitch to Mixer, I think, correct me, you might know this, was he the number one on Twitch uh, overall yeah. or number two, something like that? Yeah. On, on subs, I think he was, he was uh, number one for a long time. And yeah. also on views, he was racking up like 40, 60,000 average. He went to, I think, Mixer and now he's less than 5,000, I heard. I don't know if, yeah. if it's right. But the, the numbers were something like 80, 80% of his Twitch audience didn't move over, but his overall drop in viewership is about 60%. So some yeah. people who are native to Mixer came to him, obviously, but only 15% of his viewers basically left, 15 to 20 left Twitch to, to come watch him. And the other stat I saw was that before he left Twitch to go to Mixer, he had more viewership himself than all of Mixer combined. It was like 1.6 times maybe or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know what the size of his contract was, obviously, but um, it was it must have been huge for him to to move from um, Twitch to to Mixer. I, I know he was making he was obviously making a decent amount of money, at least two hundred fifty k a month off of subs. Mm. I think around mm. that, that somewhere. So he must have gotten a huge contract to go to Mixer, and just seeing that kind of viewership drop is kind of disappointing because what we're trying to do in esports is obviously grow it and have that community and seeing them kind of decrease over time and and seeing like this thing is not working out and, and things it's just it's not it's not what i like to see um i i genuinely like when brands and, and influencers work on because they like each other they like the content and the influencer likes the brand mm-hmm. not because the money and i think that's a huge issue with influencers once they see that money they 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 want to do it and and I've seen it a lot with my talents. But I, I try to build a relationship with my talent to the point where they don't do those decisions anymore. Where they'll take the money over the 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 liking or the how much they like the brand, right? Where the yeah, yeah. The, the brand's reputation and the brand's kind of thing outweighs the the money. And I, I tell them like, listen, man, is this really what you want to get into? Because um, I show them you know stuff like Shroud or 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 brands that I've seen before happen. I say you don't want to be this next guy. I'm just protecting your, 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 I'm protecting the brand's brand, obviously. And I'm also protecting the, the influencer's kind of career of not losing that and getting a lot of people get demotivated. Like I did when I, my views went down, my views went down, uh, from like average of 18,000, uh, when I was at my peak or 20 K, um, mm-hmm. I got two videos to a million in the back to back and I dropped to like 50 K and I, I just quit YouTube because I thought my audience was gone, but I was just lucky. So yeah. Some some people just get demotivated with the views and stuff, so that that's hard. Yeah, to do. yeah and it's and it's it's so true. I mean, I'm I'm going through. I went through a massive peak in LinkedIn views, and now it's now it's tapered off and dropped a little bit. And you find that you always tell yourself like, "No, nah, I'll, I'll just keep grinding away. Won't affect me at all." And then you look through and you're like, "Shit, I used to get 40, <laughs> 60 likes per post, and now I'm getting thirty to forty. And it's like, yeah. come on, what's going wrong? Is it me? Is it the algorithm? And you start yeah. questioning everything. Is it the content? 
Is it me? Yeah. Am I not networking enough? I'm not adding enough people. Like, I don't know. But sometimes I think you just got to weather the storm and then you, you go back and I think you realize that, oh, hey, it, it's just the algorithm that's changed slightly and I need to change my content or I need to upload more or change something a little bit. You know, maybe there was a challenge I was doing that was boosting. But hey, back to the like the Facebook chat you were talking about. And I guess to re to, to talk about again what I was saying is mainly we're talking about pages and, and people, right? And saying that it's, it's a bit shit. Um, yeah. But a, a great thing for Facebook is groups. Fantastic. So if anyone does really want to build a hyper-engaged, closed-off audience, a group is a fantastic way to do it. Like a super quick case study, I have I, what I think is the largest Pokemon Go group in the world, um, Pokemon Go Melbourne. So it's it's hyper-localized because it's about Melbourne. So that's a, that's a great thing in itself. We've got, looking at the stats here, we've got 38.6 thousand members We've got 41.9 thousand post comments and reactions in the last 28 days, and we've got about 29 thousand active monthly users. And I do nothing; <laughs> it just yeah. goes by itself. You know, we've also got a Oceania esports and gaming business Facebook group yeah. that I use a lot, and you know, that's that's a similar, not a similar size, but much more engagement. I've only ever had to ban. I think like two people, three from that group. Two of them were bots, and one guy started calling everyone, you know, cucks and you know, just throwing slows around like an idiot. So obviously yeah. I had to get rid of him. But, you know, that's got two and a half thousand members and it's just nonstop filled with helpful people that are, you know, looking to share information. So I think, you know, everything has a, has a time and a place, right? Like Twitter's great for engagement. It's great for reaching out to people. Like you're much more likely to get PewDiePie to re- reply to you on, on Twitter than you are anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, especially Instagram, because Instagram almost hides comments. It's really hard to see them. Yeah. Um, you know, and Facebook's great for that, that interaction community building development and that kind of stuff what about what about instagram for your guys like you know we've, we've talked pretty much only about twitter um yeah twitter twitter is the main kind of gaming hub for for my influencers that's where they kind of go to um but instagram is um you know learning with other industries with like beauty and travel and, and things like that i've learned that there's a lot of opportunities that you can use either instagram uh to either promote brands so what my some of my goals is to get those influencers on on instagram uh, and, and and build their audience because some of these guys have millions of subscribers on on YouTube and 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 hundreds of thousands on Twitter, but they mm. they're lacking that Instagram side with like three thousand followers. So, I think I think diversifying your your content on all platforms. Um, mm-hmm. I know it could be hard and and stressful and all that things. You know, you're busy. Everyone's busy. I get it. But I think if you do that, it can be super beneficial for your career in the future, especially with TikTok coming out. I've seen a lot of these gaming guys get on TikTok. Um, one of the guys I was talking to, um, he's a Fortnite creator, blowing up right now. I'm working with him a little bit on the side. Um, our last uh, three or four of his videos have done uh, a million views on TikTok. And he's yeah, right. gained over, I think, 120,000 on, on, on YouTube this month. I don't know if that's with the help of it, but I'm sure uh, with a million views, I'm sure he's getting some type of impressions or you know something with with those tiktok videos and things like that so i think it's super important uh to diversify your 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 content across all all social media platforms um i'm seeing Mm -hmm. a lot of people young kids like myself um um, on linkedin now i i recently got it this year i should have jumped onto it uh in january but i got it around um july and and i'm over ten thousand connections now and, and i've met great people like yourself and and people that i've I never thought I would have met in the industry, right? So I think it, it's super important to kind of connect with all with all platforms and all communities across those platforms as well. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. And look, to, to cap off the shroud conversation we were talking about before, you know, obviously the, the reason that most people say, because people always say, you know, why then if he's going to drop in viewership, you know, he's going to be on a different platform, you won't like as much, why would he sign? And it was the same reason that Ninja talked about moving as well, was that you get the safety net. You don't have to stream seven days a week. You don't have to be working 12 to 16 hours a day like a lot of these people do um, to keep audiences happy because when you're not streaming, you're losing money, basically. It's like every minute yeah. you sleep, you're losing dollars. Um, and it's, it's weird because it's not like you're you, it's not like you're ever maintaining. You're either losing money or you're making money. There's, there's nothing in between. So at least then if you're able to get a payment like you, were, you said before, you know, you've heard about Facebook paying 6K a month, something like that. 6K a month is like, that's a good wage <laughs> for yeah. most people in most professional jobs. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a great way for you to supplement your income and yeah. it's a great way to build a base load. And that's, you know, there's a few things that I always suggest people who want to quit their job. A, like I was saying before when I was a Corsair, I, I wanted to make my own company, so I saved as hard as I could and, and had those different kitties. So I made sure I had emergency savings. I made sure I had some other car funds and this kind of stuff that I could have in case of emergency. Um, the same way that when I was at university, but also, you know, running my own, running my own um, creation and, and doing a lot of tech seminars and that kind of stuff, the income I had from being a journalist, that was my base load. I knew that I had to write a certain amount of articles per month and that would guarantee me a certain amount of money, which is maybe like two grand or something like that, that will pay my rent, my food, my utilities, and everything else was, you know, cream on the top after that. So at least yeah. that, you know, something like Mixer, that, that can help provide you with that base load as you, you know, as yeah. you then grow. Yeah, yeah, it just, it kind of just gives you that security of knowing that you're guaranteed this amount, this every, mo every month. So it, it kind of mm. gives you that, all right, I don't have to work as hard as I would have if I, if I was still on twitch you know where it's literally the more you stream the more money you make so with with mixer and facebook um i know uh, some of facebook stuff was like four days a, four days a week 20 hours a week one day on the weekend for so you'd stream four days a week and you get you in those four week uh four days a week you have to stream for 20 hours one on the weekend and you're doing that for a month and you're getting six thousand dollars guaranteed i mean i mean that, that's 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 what's sucking these influencers in because it's security and it's 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 not laziness, but it's less work than they would have if they would have to stream on, let's say, Twitch or you know where it's got to the point where I've seen streamers, smaller streamers, they have to stream 13 to 14 hours per day just to make a living off of it. So and and that's I mean I respect what you're doing, but I think that's going to take a toll on your body at one point where you're just gonna gonna burn out. And I think everyone needs that that break just to kind of you know, take a breather and reflect on, on, on what they're doing and seeing if it's healthy or not for, for themselves and, and for their career. So, uh, yeah, mm. that, that's, that's kind of what I think about all of this type of stuff and, and contracts with streamers and, and, and stream platforms. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's also the opportunity for growth, right? Like yeah. if you're one of the early people to jump on TikTok, like those are now who are doing it, yeah. the growth is exponential as, as new users come in because you're looking for content to consume. Yeah. You know, it's the same. It's the same point for eFuse that Keemstar is promoting at the moment. Um, you know, you, you want to try to be the first person on there because you might get that creator tick, and you know, people are going to look for someone to follow. You know, when you download Instagram, for example, it gives you like six people to follow. One of them is Kim Kardashian, so yeah. you likely follow that person just because they're suggested to, because they're big already, and big attracts big. You know, if you're if you're on YouTube and you want to learn about the latest Dota Two patch that came out yesterday. Are you going to go to YouTube and then sort by lowest viewed? No way. Like it's going to feed you the highest viewed because you 
are then taught that, well, it's got to be quality. If there's a million people subscribed to this guy. He must know what he's talking mm. about. His videos must be good. So I'm going to watch that. So like, yeah. you've got to get in, got to get in quick. You've got to get in fast. And the TikTok thing's crazy that you were talking about, right? So the, the difference in earnings for viewership and followers on TikTok versus other platforms, it's just mind boggling to me right now. And this is why I'm setting up a TikTok agency. And this is why I've asked you to help with a TikTok agency for exactly this reason. Because you were saying some of these numbers, right? Like some of these 15-year-olds with um, a couple of hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube are making like 50K a month, right? Yeah. Whereas I know TikTok people, one guy, for example, talked to him at PAX Australia. I think he's got a million subs on YouTube. He sees his 1.1 million followers on TikTok as useless. He makes zero dollars off them. He says that being famous on TikTok is like being famous on Snapchat. What's the point? That was yeah. his word to me at, at the Twitch party at PAX. And then I know of others that are in TikTok who are one to two million followers that are making like two grand a month off yeah. that. However, I know other YouTubers who are at one million that are making five to 10 million a year. Yeah. And that's crazy. And they're getting similar views. You know, these people on TikTok, 50, 60, 70 million views a month. This guy's on YouTube, 50, 60, 70 million views a month. So that's that's crazy. One person is making $24,000 a year and one person is making <laughs> five more. It's just two different platforms. That's yeah. It seems like a sea of opportunity to me. Same for you, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. I think there there's a difference between, you know, it's, it's ridiculous what you just said. I mean, getting the same amount of views on the same platform, but getting paid a margin of, of what other people are making on YouTube is, is absurd. And I yeah. think you capitalizing on, on making this agency w- with obviously, you know, who, and, and I don't want to say it, but with, with this person is, is, is you guys, if this goes correctly, you, you will be leaders in this, in this tech, in this industry. And it's going to be ridiculous what you guys are able to do in the next few years or so. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy to see. So that same, so a question for you, the same thing. How, and this is a question that people ask me all the time and I want your answer. How do you go about pricing? So put TikTok aside, let's go with a more obvious um, base load like YouTube, which is always the default. Yeah. How, do you, how do you go about pricing with a creator? If a creator comes to you and says, hey, I've got X amount of followers, how much should I charge for a video? Do you have a standard and what's that standard based on? It, it, it depends. It, it's, there's a lot of things that goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, that's that, that's a difficult question because I, I I take a lot of things into consideration. I take what game is it, what product is it, what service is it, mm-hmm. is the what what are the audience? You know that typical thing, um, but um, it, it, it's really difficult. It, I don't really have a fixed price for every uh, platform. Obviously, like let's say they have to promote, a, a, um, for example, a, a, a hardware company, it mm-hmm. would be different than than um, promoting a clothing company, right? So taking that into consideration all, already gives me, you know, kind of a more of an understanding of how can I make money for the brand, but also value the influencer enough that he will be satisfied with what he or her is getting. So um, th- that that's really difficult. So building relationship with with your with the brand as well as um, the the influencers to make sure that they both understand what they're getting out of it and why we're stating these numbers. For example, a thousand dollars for hardware. Where where is this thousand dollars coming from? It, it's coming from the audience. It's coming from his viewership. It's coming from here. And and I kind of break it down sense by sense of where this is coming from and how exactly this brand can make this money back um, use, yeah. by using this influencer. So I, I I kind of can't really explain it better than that. Um, it, it, I know it's hard to 
kind of explain pricing to people because they don't really understand like you know someone comes up to you and says hey um how why why are you why is your influencer making ten thousand dollars per video well well here's why his audience he's able to make 10x or 2x to the company back that he's promoting so there's different factors and i always um, make sure that the brand that's approaching me or i'm approaching um is going to get their value out of the influencer for example, uh, with, with the Fortnite guy, the deal that we did, you know, I was pushing for more because I was valuing him um, as more of a creator, and which he was. But in the long run, it was going to benefit both the Unicorn as well as the Fortnite guy. So mm. we kind of came together there, me and yourself. And, and now that we're working on multiple projects, I think that we both understood what the brand wanted and what the influencer wanted. So we, we kind of get together and, and I don't like when, you know, agents are like, you know what, I'm not doing it if it's less than that. Like you have to be understanding these guys, these guys have to make money back. You know, influencers just not chucking money at influencers and, and, and just getting, you know, just making $10,000 for an influencer. The influencer needs to understand that they're trying to sell a product to their audience and whether or not mm. they believe in the product and whether or not they think that they will make uh, money back to the to the brand or, or whoever they're promoting. Yeah, that's a good answer. I, and expanding on part of what you said, it's it's really about to me what the company is selling. You know, I've worked in I've worked in and for companies before where the product margin is seven and a half percent on the yeah. sale. So you're selling a hundred bucks, you're getting seven dollars fifty. So there's no way you're going to pay the same amount depending on what revenue you can generate, there's no way you're going to pay the same amount if you're a digital-only product. You know, I yeah. talk about it. I, I talked about quite often in the past, I have a case study of an influencer being paid 75K USD, each CSGO YouTube channel, did a skin gambling video, drove 500K of revenue in one month and 30,000 account signups. But that skin gambling website, which at the time was legal but now basically shut down, they've got almost no overheads. They've got a couple servers, that's it. You know, they're yeah. paying, what, a thousand bucks a month or something like that. So their profit margin is like, and, and they had like two employees maybe who owned the company. So their margin yeah. is like 99.9%. So it's yeah. very different. You know, 500K at 99% margin or a million at 99% margin is $990,000. However, a million at 7.5% margin is a very different amount of money that you can afford to pay. Yeah. And, exactly. it, it, and like you were saying too, and, and what we talked about with Unicorn and the Fortnite guy deal, it's about the longevity of the deal as well. What yeah. can, how long can he use the code for? And a lot of our discussion too, to, to talk about for the viewers from me was about how can we get past the idea of it costs this much money per tweet? It costs this much money per times I blink in the video. It costs me this much money to do a story to say, how can we make the commission worth it? And the long-standing relationship so much worth it that we don't have to worry about this stupid conversation anymore of arguing over a hundred bucks, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, where we can work together to make, like you were saying with that fifteen-year-old guy, fifteen grand a month in merchandise sales, in in profit. You know, how can we do fifty grand in yeah. merchandise sales, and how can we build that relationship? And it's really hard. And you and I both have experience with that. It's really hard to, I think, get that through the door. Yeah. But once you build that relationship with the talent, like I have with Brian at Tech City when I work with him at Corsair, so much resistance from him at the start. He's like, oh, you're paying me less. You want me to do more? You're using me. I'm going, Brian, just trust me. This is a long-term relationship. When you finally get that opportunity to do it, then I can fly him to Vegas. I flew him to Taiwan. I gave him 15 grand worth of tech to fit out his whole studio. Every quarter, I was paying him more. Or every six months, when we renewed his contract, I was paying him more money every single time. And then after a year, he goes, Chris, you're right. I get it now. 
you know, it's about that long-term contract. But sometimes it's really hard to get in and that's where I value my work and that's where I value your work over a general just, you know, for lack of a better term, bullshit agency of which there are a lot, which just kind of sit as a middleman for the point of them sitting there. Whereas if you've got that, if you've befriended these influencers, you can have these relationships, you can pull the strings and make so much more money for Kieran, for the influencer and for the brand than you would if you were just to cold reach out to them and say, hey, can you do four tweets? And they go, that's four grand. Yeah. So exactly. Um, like, like you said, um, kind of when we had that conversation with what you were explaining me about that extra $500, it kind of changed my perspective on, on influencers. And, and you know, man, $500 might not be worth it now because if we're going to work for six, 12 months, that 500, like you said, can be 50,000 to 20,000, you know? So yeah, with that, I, 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 I appreciate you and I, I, I want to thank you for, for kind of changing my perspective on how to, when I approach brands now and, and influencers, how I kind of look at it instead of a dollar amount, I kind of look at it as like a relationship and, and making sure that both, you know, all yeah. the, the middleman influencer, the brand, whoever's involved in, in the, in the campaign are all satisfied and all are making the much as, as much as they want and can. So I, I, I thank you for that. And I, I think it's, it's great that I learned that from you. Yeah, and I think the, I don't know if this is the right term, but in my mind, it's kind of like total contract value or lifetime contract value. What's mm-hmm. going to earn you more money? And, and, and will you back yourself in? You know, if you've got 160,000 Twitter followers, are you going to charge them an upfront $5,000 fee and no commission? Or are you going to charge them an upfront $1,500 fee, which covers your time and makes it worth it, but a 50% commission? that you can hopefully with them make a hundred grand off 50 grand, 20 grand, who knows? But the, the lifetime, not only the relationship, they'll keep coming back to you, but also the lifetime contract value of how much you can generate through referral sales, which keeps them happy, keeps you happy, is so much higher than it ever would have been in the past. And that's what I've gone through a lot as an agency, talking to these brands of wanting to charge them a lower retainer amount, which can justify me paying for a staff member to look after it. But we share in commission and or equity and or every single campaign, we get a percentage on top of work that we do too. So yeah. we're really backing ourselves in here. We're saying to the brand, look, you've, you're going to pay a quarter of the amount with us as a retainer as you would with anyone else, but we're backing ourselves in here. But if we really pull this off for you, we want to be rewarded. If you're a small startup and we draw you 300 grand in monthly recurring revenue, like we want it, we want half a point of equity. You know, we want something out of this or we want some solid commission because yeah. otherwise... We can just take that to someone else who will give us that. And that's what you're seeing a lot now with influencers. You know, I've talked in depth with Click, with the Misfits, who you know as well, um, with you and, and with some other talent about this too, in talent need to back themselves in and don't just do pay for play anymore. Start asking for equity. Start asking for trailing commission. Um, you know, if, if you've got uh, 50 grand worth of advertising you think you can give to that company and the company's quite small and they're only worth a million bucks, why not just get them to pay you 10 grand and then ask for 40 grand in equity? Because they're probably pretty happy to do it because like most startups, they're probably pretty cash strapped. So many small stage startups are happy to give away a little bit of equity to you, even if it's in options rather than 40 grand because they can't afford that 40 grand. And I'm going through that same conversation right now. There's a big influencer coming to Australia mm-hmm. who's got like 2.8 million Twitter followers in Jan. And, you know, this, this startup really wanted them to appear at their event, but they're like, man, I just can't afford the 80K AU price tag it costs. And it's like, well, give him some equity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. sure, you 
take it. And then he's really invested too because then he wants to grow your brand because the more he grows your brand, the more his equity increases in the long run, right? Yeah, and, and exactly. Bringing it back to what you said about like agencies and you giving a um, quarter of the retainer, what I would like to note on that as well is is it kind of shows that you're you're invested in them. You're not trying to do this for money. You're 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 showing them that hey, I'm confident with my ability to make you money. So I'm taking less of a retainer, knowing that I will make you and myself more money in the long run. So it kind of gives them like, hey, like these guys are really looking to work with us. Like they're not here for a five k retainer, a thirty thousand k retainer, right? It kind of just it, it builds relationship between you and the brand as well as an agency. So I I, I commend you for for doing that because I th- mm-hmm. I think that's things that agencies don't typically typically do anymore. Um, they just just don't reply. They, I think that agencies need to change the way that their their business models are because right now all they're doing is sitting, taking advantage of these creators and just sitting in the middle and taking commission uh, from these from these creators. So um, mm-hmm. I think that somebody or someone needs to change um, something within that structure to make it um, not only better for the agency but for the influencers and the brand as well. Because I've spoke to um, influencers kind of off topic, but. Um, they're kind of reluctant to go into these type of uh, contracts that are locked in for three years with these agencies because they've had bad experiences with agencies before. All they tell me is, hey, Kieran, um, this AA set agency is, um, all they took was take 35% of my um, commission. Well, right there off the bat, 35%, I think it's way too much. I, I think the standard should at least go to minimum fifteen, and even if they're a macro influencer, I, I'm willing personally to take ten, because I know in the long run, like you said, building that relationship and and working with them for over a period of years will will be able to make me that money back, you know. So so I think something needs to change with with the agencies and and how it's running currently, um, because all they're doing is sitting on their asses and 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 collecting commission off these influencers, which is also not fair. Mm, yeah. And I guess that's why, you know, a lot of these new influencers don't want to sign with the agencies anymore, like you were saying. And that's why you need you need someone who's on the influencer side, I think, to look after them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something gotta... I, yeah. Something I do is um, I offer them um, kind of like, hey, man, I, I'll show you what I can do. I'll, I'll give you outbounds. I'll, I'll do six months trial with you or I do a year trial where you're just a non-exclusive. Whatever you get, you keep it to yourself because you've worked hard for it. You've mm-hmm. you built up your brand. You've got those connections. You know, I'll, I'll go out of my way, out of my time to go get you something else that I have connections to. So we're both bringing value to the table. You're already giving me a channel, and I'm already and I'm going to bring you a brand that you haven't worked with. So why not being be in a non-exclusive? But the only problem with non-exclusive is. These guys like influencers start working with a bunch of agencies, then different pricing comes from everywhere, and then they don't know kind of who to work with. But um, with my guys, it kind of it kind of went go went to the point where I, I did the non exclusive. It's gone to the point where it, it's just based. It's just relationship now. It's it's so much trust between me and the influencer that we we both are on the same page. I know exactly what we both want out of out of our partnership or or uh, relationship. I, I like to call it so. Um, I, mm. I think that's super important uh, to what agencies because all these guys are doing are, are calling these guys up, these influencers, offering them a three-year contract. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. They sign off, and uh, then they have a clause in there that says all brand brand deals that you get after two years of leaving us is all commissioned to us as well. And ridiculous kind of clauses inside of these contracts are, is is just ridiculous. So I, I think 
trust and building relationship between influencers and agencies is very important and is going to be very important in the, in the next year or so. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Got a question here because we could wrap up soon. We're almost going for an hour, which is awesome. Um, got a question here from Shaggery Rayner. I hope I said that right. He, he's asking, is part of the issues with TikToks that is part of the issue with TikTok that brands have not yet bought onto the platform or bought into the platform? Short answer, yeah. <laughs> I think brands don't understand. And that's that's what I love about the, my business and what I hate about my business is that it's emerging, it's exciting, there's lots of views, there's lots of upside, there's lots of potential future growth, but it's very frustrating and hard because every single section of the industry I work in, you're trying to educate people who have the money on why they should give you the money rather than them approaching you just to give it to you. <laughs> you know, like you're trying to help these mainstream brands understand for me, esports. What, what is esports? What's an esports team? What, what do I get out of sponsoring one? Rather than them just saying, hey, Chris, we're looking for an esports team. Can you find me one? Yeah. And you've got to start, you've got to start before zero. <laughs> you've got to start at minus three and then you've got to get them to zero. And then if they're interested, then you can get them to close, which is maybe step five. So yeah. you know, that extra process, similar with influencers, similar now with TikTok, who are doing some work with as well. Do you find the same thing? Like, I mean, you you said that the, you know, the title of the stream and what we talked about is you did 300 grand a month. So what percentage of those were companies you'd already worked with in the past? What percentage of those were companies who approached you? And what percentage were those were companies that you just reached out and, and grabbed the deal for? Um, I would say um, out of that, uh, the deals that the, the, out of those months, um, I would say around 85% of them was new partnership deals that I've done. Um, but now obviously it's going into 2020 with those, uh, relationships. Um, obviously it's going to only scale my business, but within that, that range that you're talking about, about 85% of it was, um, new deals. So outbounds. Um, and then about 5% was, um, recurring deals that I did in the past, like, you know, in the few months ago or something like that. And then, um, one or two would be approaching me from, from hearing about me somewhere or, or getting my Twitter post. Um, cause that's how initially, um, the, the Chinese streaming platform contacted me. They emailed me, um, saying, we saw your tweet. And I, I was like, what? And then I looked at my tweet and a tweet had like, uh, I think five and a half thousand light, uh, um, likes it had over 600,000 impressions and, and like 20% engagement rate or something. And all I tweeted out was who wants to do uh, Twitch or YouTube full time. That was my mm -hmm. question. And it had 2.8 replies. I, I connected with influencers, brands that replied every type of thing, like people that replied and it kind of just started off from there. So, um, some of the brands come from Twitter actually. Um, but now I'm trying to focus on LinkedIn and networking. I'm still getting a grasp of it and, and I want to push content out on, on LinkedIn, but I'm unsure where to start. And, and, uh, I think that in 2020 LinkedIn is going to be super important to get those leads for myself. Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, for me, LinkedIn has been one of my main revenue drivers in my business. It's, it's where I gain my investment. It's where I gain my first two companies that paid me over like four grand, five grand AUD to do some work with them. Um, and it's where I reached out to a lot of people. It's where I met Jade, you know, TikTok star, 1.2 million followers herself, got 68 million views a month, did a LinkedIn live with her. That's been my biggest thus far. I think we hit, you know, 100, 105 concurrence, which is, which is big for, for LinkedIn. You know, most people are hitting 15, 17. I think now we're right now we're probably 18 to 20. So, you know, her star power is ridiculous and the growth for her using the same style of talent, which is not what you think 
or style of content, which is not what you think LinkedIn would be for, which is more heartfelt, more influencer style content as well. Not so much. Sure, she's sharing a lot of information, but still sort of selfies, pictures of her, that kind of stuff that you mm-hmm. don't necessarily see from others. She's got 60,000 profile views in the past 90 days. That's Ridiculous. Yeah. Like she, she had, <clears throat> I remember talking to her, her account was 60 days old. And I think I had eight to 10,000 profile views and she had 20 and it's, it's in the past 90 days. So yeah. I was, I had 30 days more than her <laughs> and she had more profile views than me. And yeah. her graph was obviously zero, 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 and then just spike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. It's mental. And it's the yeah. same, you know, my peaks and troughs and all that kind of stuff too. But like for anyone watching, abolish anything that you think about LinkedIn right now and just start posting content. Give, um, give content to people that teaches them something. I like to break down things that are happening so someone doesn't have to read a whole article because they trust me to say, look, here are the main points of the article. Here's a little bit more information than I know about it. And, you know, be open and honest with people. You don't have to flex. Some of the old people do on LinkedIn. They post a picture of their watch with a BMW in the background. No one wants to see that anymore. Um, You know, just share information and post more than you think that you should. I think that's really like my two things. Like I used to be scared to post more than one time a day. There was always that golden rule, right? Of Twitter, you can post whenever you want because it's Twitter. Of Facebook, you can only post two times a day. Instagram, you can only post once a day. LinkedIn, you can only post once like every day or every two or three days. But man, just throw that out the window. Sometimes I post like four times an hour on LinkedIn. One post will, will hit like 200 likes. The other ones will do 20 or something like that. But you never know. Sometimes they all do 60. Like it's, you know, algorithm's hard, but from what I understand, overall, the algorithm is favoring personal pages and user-generated content. So don't share a link in the post, just the same with Facebook. If you put a link in a Facebook post, you're basically killing it, shooting in the head before it goes anywhere. Share information, be authentic, use a video or a picture, always, unless you're Gary V. Um, Yeah, yeah, you're good to go. And you can be like Jade. I mean, the amount of inbounds that she gets now, the amount of inbounds that I get now, you know, we, I had this discussion a lot with uh, with Nick, who works with us here at Big E Sports, about inbounds. You know, I wasn't a I wasn't a convert or a big believer in getting a lot of inbounds. I always thought you had to go out and grab them. Um, he finally convinced me. I did a bunch more content. Now we've got more inbounds than we can ever deal with in our company. Yeah. It's about closing them. It's about providing value and closing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's LinkedIn. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all because of LinkedIn. So I'm like, I'm the biggest LinkedIn shill. I think they should start paying me. They don't, by the way. <laughs> but um. I think it's a great it's a great place to be. You know, if you want to get mass viewers of a younger audience, I think what, look, like let's wrap up what we talked about today, right, Kieran? Like if you want to make bank off lower amount of views, YouTube, you want to engage with your fans, reach out to people, Twitter, you want to get massive amount of views, you don't care who they come from, especially if they're primarily younger people, TikTok, you want to reach out to business people, LinkedIn, and yeah. you want to build a group in a community, Facebook groups. There you go. There's your answer. Yeah, that's your answer in a nutshell right there. Get your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And for anyone in the, in the chat too, I, I linked, uh, I linked your, um, I linked your Twitter as well, Kieran. So someone okay. can check you out there. Tell me back, back to the start of the conversation. What was that first video about your first ever video you released on YouTube got 400,000 views, which is ridiculous. It doesn't happen very often. Um, it was, um, a Clash of Clans videos. I knew I knew oh, yeah. that Clash of Clans was popular 2016, uh, 2014, 2016 era. Um, and I posted a, uh, it was kind of like a bass build. So it was kind of music in the background. Saw, saw a guy post a video like that. It did well. Um, kind of builded my own bass on it, posted it. And, and man, like 
<laughs> it just blew up. It had like really good engagement. Um, and then from there, um, I posted a few videos, got like 300 views because my channel was dead. It was kind of a one pop off type of video. And then, uh, mm. then uh, I got two videos in a row at a million views. My face reveal got a million. And then um, another one got a million with like 60K likes on them. Um, and then uh, it, it, it went decent for a bit. And then uh, it went downhill like it always does. And then I just quit. Um, but maybe one day I'll return to it. I don't know yet. But for now, I, I love working with influencers and building relationships with talents, brands, agencies, people like yourself. It, it's always great to learn and, and network with people. So once again, I appreciate you taking the time to, to obviously uh, reach out to me, speaking to me. You've done now, we're working on our second deal together in the past month or so. So I think it's great what we're, what we're doing. And I think that it's going to not only help um, the brands and influencers, but it's helping ourselves learn from each other. And I think that yeah. myself and you are going to have a great relationship in, in 2020 and see what we can do together. That should be good. Well, maybe this next LinkedIn Live, we do it in person when you're yeah, here in exactly. Melbourne in January. Yeah. Down to see, yeah, see yeah, exactly. Hopefully I come in January, yeah. yeah that'd be good, man. Well, to, to wrap up, um, we talked about this in bits, and this is a question I get asked all the time. So I'd love for you to give some direct examples before we answer some last questions. So if a, if a YouTuber has 100,000 subscribers, yeah. 500,000, a million, yeah. and 5 million, how much can they expect to make per month at each of those milestones? What do you think is a good amount that those people could make per month? Um. Off of commercial revenue, what I can make them? Yeah, yeah. And let's okay. let's say it's a mixture of ad revenue and okay. ad revenue and deals. Just just normalize it throughout. All right. The average 100K person uh, could make anywhere between, uh, from my experience, I would say um, one-off collaborations, maybe 5 to 6K, um, charging around 1,000, 1,000, 1.5K average around. Um with obviously the AdSense that depends on your views, so maybe like three, three to eight k off of that um, per month, and then go into your five hundred k. That's that's when the big when when the big money kind of comes in, um, where you have longer partnerships, the six months, twelve months, twenty four months. You also have your one off collaborations, which can also increase. Um, to the Fortnite guy, I made him over uh, twenty six or twenty eight k in less than uh, a month and a half by working with you another brand and a charity uh, that we're currently running right now. Um, so so if, it's, it's different, but those guys can, between 500K can make anywhere easily between 20 and, and, and 100K a month if they really, really uh, know what they're doing and working with the right people. And then obviously in, into the millions, I mean, that's all over the place. It, it really depends how what you're doing and how you're doing it, um, whether that's merchandise, events, appearances, whatever it is. Um, there's that's when when the avenues get really crazy and and, and you may, need to make sure that you're you're capitalizing on the right thing and 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 doing what you like instead of doing what what the money comes because the money's going to come after what you like doing at the end right it's not if you chase if you chase the bag or whatever for for 100k for a deal if you don't like it you're not going to enjoy it but if you enjoy something in the long run the money's going to come after so just be patient and I think that's something that influencers need to learn because they become really greedy and impatient because they get so attached to this hook of money and, and fame that I think that they need to take a step back, self-reflect, and, and kind of detach themselves from their lives on, on, on the internet, right? So um, those are kind of the numbers um, that, that I think sh they should be able to make if, if they know what they're doing, their CPM is decent, 
Um, they don't have any controversial uh, anything about them. Just like a decent, genuine, good guy or good woman that's making that's making content. So, um, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, my goal is to make the money. Um, but with that is building trust, relationship, and of course having fun while we're doing it because this industry is only growing. And uh, and yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it from my side. Yeah, too easy, man. So I got a, a question here. This this one's for me that I'll read out from from Aravind. So he's he's asking what's how how different is the approach when you're working with professional esports players and esports influencers slash streamers? My answer to that, Aravind, would be to go to um, big esports on YouTube or go into my stream and or go into my feed on LinkedIn and look at the podcast that I did with PPD, Peter PPD Dagger from Ninjas in Pajamas, ex EG CEO, he's made three million dollars in Dota Two prize money over his eight issues, I think, as a pro gamer. He talks about this a lot. He talks about basically that a lot of pro players. They're hyper-focused on playing, especially in Dota, because all the money you can make in Dota is prize pool. Everything else is defunct because you really want to win first place at international, get $3 million bucks in your pocket per player, and then right off into the sunset. Spending time tweeting, spending time streaming will take away from you playing as a top-level player. So you're much better off going to that. So keeping that into mind with these guys because... We talked about this a lot in there, but I think it's a lot of us versus them. I think it's esports, um, business people like myself and Kieran versus the players and us thinking, you can be making so much money, all you have to do is spend 20 hours a week making content. <laughs> and they go, I could be winning the international if I spend an extra 20 hours a week playing. So no, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. So there's always that divide. But hey, that's that's why you have different lenses in the community. So yeah, definitely, definitely go back and look. And a big shout out to Herb May as well. We talked a lot about LinkedIn. Herb May um, is one of the biggest... Um, success stories of LinkedIn, I think, coming from nothing really in esports to to really, really something within six to twelve months purely off LinkedIn. Um, yeah. He's the best esports success story that I've that I've seen so far. Yeah, doing any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, so I haven't actually met, met him, but I've, I've seen him around. Yeah. I, I've seen what he's doing, and I congratulate him on that. I, I always see him. I know you guys are good buddies, and uh, and I've I've seen what he's posting, and and seeing what what he's been doing and posting is 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 insane and that's where where i want to bring my own personal brand and obviously in a unique way obviously i don't want to take off what he's done but uh his his kind of hard work and 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 his his skills that he's applied into linkedin is ridiculous so something like that is super inspiring to see to see how someone could integrate themselves so well into the industry without really knowing anything much about it you know a few months ago so I congratulate him for that and, and yourself for, for helping him out because I know you, I think that you, you also were a big part of that as well because I think you've helped a ton of people on LinkedIn. And like, I think you've helped Jade. I think you've hurt, helped her, but you, I, you've helped myself, not necessarily on the contents, but behind the scenes. You have genuine conversations with me. You take your time to talk to me, call me, tell me advice, you know. It, so it's super mm-hmm. grateful and, and, great to have someone like yourself um helping these guys whether um you know it's linkedin because you know at the end of the day that you will um benefit off of me let's say from my influencers in the long run and and it's just once again going back to building a relationship you're just doing exactly same what i'm doing with my influencers you're doing it with businessmen so i i think it's great what you're doing exactly man it it all it's all full circle right it all comes back around and it's whether you have a good relationship with people that you don't talk to very often or whether it's you have a good relationship you keep in contact every day and that's what i feel that i'm able to rely upon 
you know, I, I often wonder what the terminology is because, you know, someone will talk about the misfits and I'll say, I'm friends with them and go, well, not, I'm not really friends with them, but you could say I'm acquaintances. You know, I'm friendly with Ryan, the manager. I'm friendly with a few of their talent. Anytime they see me, they stop to shake my hand and ask me how I am. But it's not like I'm in their DMs every day. Yeah. You know, their office is only 10, 15 minutes from me. I only went there for the first time like a month ago. So, you know, but I'm, but they know that I'm there to look after them every time. I'm not mm-hmm. going to bring them a crap deal. And, yeah. and that's the that's part of the thing for me is that trying to explain to people that there's influencers rely on their social capital. And I also have a certain amount of social capital as a business person in there. And I can't just go to them all the time being like, hey, can you promote this new butt enhancement cream? You know, I, I need to know that they find the deal that's worthwhile. And I also yeah. need to know that the deal is likely to close because I only have so many opportunities to waste their time before they're like, man, I can buy a Ferrari with one video. <laughs> like yeah, stop exactly. wasting my time. Yeah. Kind of thing. There's a, you know, it's, it's a certain amount of thing. And you see this in business. You see this when, you know, I've been invited to parties where successful people hang out and it's so different. No one's trying to flex on each other because they all know that they're successful and they're all asking each other real advice or they're just talking about things that are completely unrelated to business. And that's what you find with, with influencers. You know, they don't want you to be a fan of them. They want you to talk to them like a real person, but you have to hang with them. You need to know the lingo. You need to have something that you can bring to the table because yeah. they don't want you to just be there and, you know, take selfies and tag them and, you know, try to get them to retweet you and kind of stuff. You know, you yeah. just need to hang there and just be chill and, you know, build that relationship. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that, that helps with, with me being a young guy. Some of these guys are around the same yeah, age as sure. me, 19, 20, 17, 18, 19, 20. Around, yeah. Most of them are on that, around that age. So being able, them being able to talk like me, yes, it gives them a little bit of doubt. You know, there's always a negative and a, and a, and a positive. The positive is I know how to talk to these guys. I know how to talk, to get these guys to get deals. I know how to, how to convince them that, you know, it's not a scam you know, you're taking good care of like, yeah, I just know how to be a good person to them. Cause I relate to them. I'm the same age as them. I almost do the same thing other than they create content and I'm, I, I'm, I do business. But, um, the negative side is obviously when my age is mentioned in, in meetings or they ask me how old my age is, I'm applying for a job. Like one of these esports guys, actually quick story. Um, I, I got, yeah. I, I did a job. Um, I'm not going to name the, 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 the company, uh, but they were a huge European esports uh, company. They were looking for an, a senior influencer um, manager to to oversee their whole kind of uh, content and influencer strategy. So I gave it a go. I, I applied mm. right off the bat. They called me, asked my age, um, and they just hung up because I told them I was 17 at the time. It was back in October. Oh, yeah. But that, that's the point where like. I, I thought that maybe like it could have been a good opportunity for them to work with a younger person and take that risk. But I mean, once again, there's always a reason for it. You know, it, it, I understand where they're coming from. Trusting a 17 year old guy with a $10,000 budget, it's kind of <laughs> risky. He can just take that and, and leave and close all those accounts. Right. Yeah. So like you said, building relationship with brands saying, listen, showing them case studies and, and things that I've done in the past to give them that um, security of that. I know kind of what I'm doing and I'm obviously still learning I'm only 18. So I, I'm still, still learning, always learning. I, I'm not perfect by any, and by any means. Um, but, but building that relationship being, doing, being such a young age is super important for myself because it's easier for me to get screwed over by a brand or a business due to my age because of my lack of experience. And I've been turned around, turned down before because of my lack of experience, but that comes with age anyways. So, uh, that's that's a little bit about the negative and the positives of being such a young uh, 
I guess, businessman or a business yeah. person. Yeah. And you, you know, you and I have talked about that and I talked about the same thing with our other director here at Big Esports yesterday when we're, you know, looking to bring you on board to do a lot more work with us next year and in a partnership type sense. And, you know, saying that it's the, it's the merit of what you can do, not how old you are. And it's about yeah. understanding the value of, of where the skills can be de- developed in the future and the skills that are developed up till today. You know, the same reason that when I was at Thermal Take, I brought on Jeremy Tate to work under me, who eventually took over after I left because I sponsored his esports team, only with products, but I knew I could see that, you know, he was respectable, he was reliable, he could do he could do great content, he understood how to do a product launch, he was always at meetings on time, he was always accessible, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, he had a good speaking voice and all that kind of stuff. So I knew that he had that flavour there that, that could be, you know, that, that starter culture, I guess, that, you know, could be developed in something great. And and he did. Yeah. He learned so quickly, so fast. Took over from me afterwards, went to MSI now, and he's he's got a great career there. You know, similar yeah. with Ross, who chose to take over me at Corsair from Gigabyte. Same thing. And now he's one of the senior management. I think he's a senior talent manager at Click Management. He's a talent manager there now anyway. And he'll he'll do great with them. Yeah. You know, he's got all the contacts. And the same thing. He came into Gigabyte straight from university um, and he's got like a master's in teaching um, and the master's in special education. Nothing to do gaming wow. at all, but yeah. he's great. He's really boisterous. Yeah. He's really nice and kind. He's like a gentle giant. He's funny, um, you know, but he knows how to do business at the same time. He's great mm-hmm. at talking with the influencers and speaking their language and hanging out because he makes YouTube videos on the side. But also yeah. he knows how to enter a boardroom and to give a report and to answer yeah. questions and stuff. And I think that's, you know, that's where I see where you're sitting right now is that, you know, you can definitely speak the language of the streamer side and then it's just more development on the business side you need. And yeah. at this stage, how we do it is, is often, you know, there's kind of a, there's a double filter where I might talk to the influencer and talk to you and, and I talk to the brand and then you're talking to the influencer and me. And there's kind yeah. of that, that thing there. But as the, the skills start to develop more, like, you know, within six, 12 months, whatever, that's going to go away and you're going to be able to, you know, do it all yourself. From, yeah. from start to finish, you already are in most of this, in most of the cases anyway. It's just it's tightening up, you know. It's yeah. just the same with boxing going from amateur to pro. You've already got the skills. You just need to tighten up a little bit and, yeah, you know, exactly. you're good to go. You just need that starter culture, right? And that's that's hard to pick out sometimes from people. But you have it um, in eSports. Herb has it. Um, Jade has it, which is why I'm doing work with her as well. You know, you can you can spot these people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool, man. So what's come – what's – uh. Well, actually, we already talked about what's coming up next to you. So where can people follow you online if they want to see uh, what you're doing? They can follow me. Uh, only social media that I use for business and gaming-wise is uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. So my Twitter is the Prestige YT. Um, <laughs> that was my name. I, I never thought of changing it. I kind of want to change it to like Kieran something, but whatever. I, I'm stuck with that name. So it's the Prestige YT and then LinkedIn is uh, Kieran John. That, that's all I have right now don't really use anything else so if you want to connect with me on those that'd be great and once again i appreciate you chris taking me on you know believing in me actually you know um working with me because i'm just learning from you and it's it's great to learn from such a you know great guy like you because you've done some great stuff yourself and 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 i praise you for that and and you're you're one of the inspirations um i I, i've learned a ton of knowledge so shout out to big esports podcast as well they, those guys, I've watched all 60, I think 60-something 60 of them, 64 yeah. if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I, I watch all of them. I've learned so much, especially from uh, the Jeff from FaZe. Because um, mm. I like to, I like Maybe. to really get get into those um, kind of when they talk about influencers and brands, just just to grab the knowledge. But I also learned about you know the financial stuff, esports esports sponsorships, and all those different type of things. So it's just good to know whenever I, I'm faced with that opportunity or, or something in the future. Exactly, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on, and you know, thanks to the people for watching live on the LinkedIn and also listening to the podcast. It's going to be turned into. Thanks for the support, and uh, hopefully we can do some more LinkedIn Lives fairly soon. Thanks for coming on, Kieran, and uh, we'll keep chatting. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. For show notes, relevant links, and upcoming projects, you can check us out online at bigesports.gg or follow us on our social medias at bigesports underscore gg. 